Hey, everybody, welcome once again to a walk down memory lane. Wayne Soares bringing you along for this ride today, and it's a great pleasure to have as my guest today a very, very, very dear friend and uh, just a great American, great human being, uh, former Boston College star and also former star for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tom McManus. How are we doing this morning, pal? Wayno, good morning. Great to be on with you, buddy. I bring greetings from my lovely daughter, Jessie, who, oh, yeah. as you came down to uh, to play in, in our second annual golf tournament this year, we're very so grateful for that. But I will tell you this to everybody listening out there, um, everybody in your foursome loved you. You've got just a phenomenal personality. Of course, the weather was like we were we were, we were playing over in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. total, total downpour, winds going <laughs> side was. to side, but, but you're yeah. a trooper. And, uh, you know, she said to me, and that's a testament to you and your character, uh, she goes, you know, Dad, Mr. McManus, he was such a nice guy. He's a big guy, but he's so nice. So that, that <laughs> hey, came along from my daughter, Jessie. So. Well, tell, give her my best. She was uh, an absolute pleasure to meet as well. You guys did a great job. It was, hey, the, the weather is what the weather is, but that was a fantastic event. I I had a blast. No, thank you. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And again, and uh, pencil it in for next year, October 12th. Hoping you can come okay. back again to uh, to Ooh, be with us, as, as they used to say love in the old uh, the old the old uh, Batman show, same bad time and same bad channel. So nice, we'll be back nice. on that. We are chatting <laughs> yep. with number fifty five, Tom McManus, all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. Now, describe you played had a great career at Boston College. Uh, you originally um, played high school football at Wheeling High School in Wheeling, Illinois. You yep. you. Talk about that experience of of what that was. What was that like for you as a as a senior? You go, you get recruited, and and you landed BC. Well, here's the crazy thing. So, I learned at a young age to trust my gut. Right, I uh, uh, my upbringing and my faith tells me it's the Holy Spirit trying to guide you and lead you in a way. So, uh, the reason I say that is I get a phone call on like a Tuesday night. Uh, from Barry Gallup from Boston College. Uh, Coach Gallup was the recruiting coordinator at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is 1987. And um, it's like December, you know, getting ready for Christmas. I had not received one letter from Boston College. I had no idea they were even, even knew who I was. And uh, he offered me, Coach Gallup offered me a full scholarship on that phone call. Mm-hmm. And I said yes right away because nobody else did that. Like I had, I had visits scheduled for Illinois, uh, Michigan State, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, but none of them had offered me. They wanted me to come for a visit and, and then you know go from there. Well, BC didn't even care about any of that. They're like, no, we we want to offer you a full ride. So I literally said yes hung up the phone my father who was alive at the time he comes down great american as you know and we're going to talk about that later on too yeah he's the best he he comes down he's like who is that i said you're not gonna believe it it was boston college (laughs) and he goes well what'd they say i said dad they just offered me a full ride he goes well what'd you say i said yes he's like Oh, you got to call them back. They got to come out here and meet my you and uh, me and your mother and have dinner. And we, I mean, what, are you, what <laughs> the hell? What the hell is this? So I was like, all right, I'll call them back. So I literally called Coach Calabag. I'm like, I'm like, Coach Tom McMahon, and say, uh, listen, my my dad says you guys got to come out here first before I can I can fully commit. And uh, 
he wants you to come over for dinner. Can can you can you do that? He's like, we'll be out next week. And wow. literally, he came to the house. We had a great dinner. We go downstairs. My dad's in all his glory, you know. And I'm sitting down in one chair. Coach Gallup sitting down in the other. My mother's sitting on the couch. My father's holding court in the family room, standing up. And he's like, so what you're telling me is you're going to give him a full ride. He's like full full scholarship, Mr. McManus. Books, food dorm every everything mr mcmahon's everything's covered for he won't have to worry about a thing he looks at me he goes well, what do you think <laughs> i said <laughs> i said dad i already said yes like I'm, I'm in and he's like all right we're going to boston college and wow. we all took a visit out there like in february and uh and i'll tell you I'm, i don't want to totally get into it but i was at a party i left my host because he was he was he was a nice guy but he was a little boring uh, for the youngest child of Gene and Joan McManus. So I went with another group <laughs> to a party on campus and uh, it was a football party. And uh, a couple townies came in and started causing trouble. And two of the older football players took him outside and I get to the door and Jim Beastick, who's a defensive lineman, he's like not letting anybody out. He's going to let these four guys go outside and duke it out like the good old days. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, hey, can I just go out? I just want to watch. He's like, no, you're a recruit. You can't. I'm saying, I just want to watch. I'm not going to do anything. He's all right, just step right here. So I step out. Well, the two BC guys, and these were big, you know, guys from Boston, whatever. And they beat the crap out of him. I was like, all right, this is home. This is home. It, it cemented everything. I love the brotherhood. I'll, look, we, we had a great last year on the Tom Coffin. It was first with Pignell. Finally got to, a, you know, had a one winning season in my five years. Went to the Hall of Fame Bowl my last my last season, but the brotherhood, the relationships of Boston College will will live forever, and that that's what makes that place so special. Is that what you liked most about your college experience? Is the cohesiveness, like you said, the brotherhood, everybody watching each other's back? Yes, and yeah. NFL too, the same. You know, the, the locker room, as you know, Wayno is a it's a special place, and and I wish the world could spend more time in the locker room because in the locker room, none of the outside BS matters. Mm. You're judged on two things. You got to be able to play the game, right? That, that goes without saying, can, are you a ball and what's your character, you know, and you, you may be a great ball player, but not great character. You may be an okay ball play ball player, but great character. And guess what? Your skin color doesn't matter. Your religious belief doesn't matter. Your political stance doesn't matter. None of that matters. The only thing that matters are those two things. And it's, you know, character and and whether you can play. And uh, that's all you should be judged on. And that's why it's special. And uh, BC, look, I'm I'm on a text thread with about 10 of my former teammates. We're always, you know, communicating with each other, talking, saying hello, et cetera. So, it's a bond that'll that'll last forever. And uh, look, as you do, as you host uh, podcasts, so do I. I'll be catching up with my old teammate Jimmy Smith later today. And him and I, man, we're like brothers. Nice. You know, we didn't even hang out that much off the field, but I, uh, I, did, him and I always just had a special bond. And look, man, he's from Mississippi. I'm from Chicago. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. And none of that like, stuff matters. Right. He's, he's just, I love him and he loves me and that's all that matters. That's that's all that matters at the end of the day. You know, it's funny you said it because um, my college uh, baseball teammates, we have we have the same. There's about 10 or 12 of us on that thread. And, uh, you know, sometimes 
you know, at the middle of the night, you know, when you get those texts or somebody saying something, you're like, oh, man. But, you know, at the end of the day, you appreciate that because it's a, it's a bond. I mean, I know, I've known it's these guys bond. for 38 years, yep. uh, and it's special. Who who is your when you get to Jacksonville now you played there from ninety five to ninety nine who was your who was yep. your who was your 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 who's the best teammate you ever played with? Oh, who was the best teammate I ever played? I mean, yeah. you, you know we had you know Wayne we had Tom Coffer did a great job of bringing in the kind of guys that it took to build an an early winner and those guys were guys that loved the game that were mentally tough, that were physically tough, and that were emotionally tough. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of diva. Now, granted, it's a different time, but there wasn't a whole lot of diva. I remember Andre Rising was somewhat of a diva, and they eventually got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to Green Bay and did great things. And, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was just a bunch of the same kind of guys that all we cared about was winning. And Coffin was hard as heck on us. I mean, he was. He was, he was harder at Boston College, without a doubt. But he was hard on us, and uh, I think his madness was um, get them all mad at me, so they're they're closer together. You know what I mean? Like let them sure. all bitch at me together. I think he got that from Herb Brooks, you know, in the <laughs> right. in the nineteen eighty, uh, you know, uh, Olympic hockey Olympic team. Games. Sure. Yeah, that's how he was with them. And um, you know, coaches do take from other you know successful coaches, but you know, great teammates. I mean, look, Jimmy Smith was a great teammate. Uh, Freddie Taylor was a great teammate. Mark Brunel, a great teammate. Um, the guys I hung with, though, Brant Boyer, him and I will will be friends forever. Kevin Hardy, Tony Brackens, Aaron Beasley. I mean, these are guys, Michael Cheever. We would all hang out off the field. You know, it's funny. We were the single guys, and then when we come in, you know, in the morning, all the married guys wanted to know what we did the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, go, go home to your wife and leave us alone. You know what I mean? But, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's just that special bond. They were – we just had a lot of the same guys, you know, and we were, we were, uh, we were good guys. We are humble, but we are also, uh, you know, vicious when it came to playing the game of football. You talked about Tom Coughlin being very, very tough, and I think that's the um, that that's what he always presented as just a no nonsense yep. guy. How was your relationship with with Coach Coughlin? Fantastic. I actually see Coach uh, every so often. We don't live too far from one another out at the beach. Uh, when I do, I I run up his way up. He's in a, a beach just north of us, and uh, I see him working out. Uh, he's got dumbbells. He works out in his driveway and he rides his bike down first street. Uh, he, he's great. Look, you know, he, he was a lot like my father. I mean, he, he is a lot like my father. My dad was, um, you know, a very, uh, um, affectionate guy, um, but very disciplined with principle. And one thing people don't realize about coffin, I, I got to witness it firsthand. When, when my father was diagnosed with cancer, it was devastating. They gave him two months to live. He was 75 years old. Um, they gave him two months to live, came out of nowhere. We were all like, what? Are you, what? No way. Anyway, it was, it was tragic in our own right. And uh, a night before the game, I hadn't told anybody. My roommate knew um, Pete Mitchell, who's another Boston College great. Good man. You know, some other people knew, but I didn't really tell anybody. I... I did arrange a doctor visit for my dad just to get him a second opinion through the JAG doctors. Anyway, 
it's the night before a game. We just had our mass. Uh, Father Tom Willis said the mass. He's cleaning up. And I'm just sitting there by myself. I sat in the corner, like up, up front, but in the corner, like against the wall. And I'm just thinking about my dad one night. And who sits down next to me but Coach Goff? Mm. And this is the first year of the Jags. And all you know about Coach Goff and all that anybody knows about Coach Goff is that he's general Coach Goff. And he's like a drill sergeant. He's so hard on the guys. Nobody likes him, yada, 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 a bunch of BS. So he sits down next to me, puts his arm around me, and he whispers in my ear. He says, hey, I heard about your dad, and I'm real sorry. I know how close you are with him. You go down there, because they were living in New Smyrna Beach. He's like, you go down there as much as you can, and we're here for you. Whatever you need, whatever your parents need, you just you just let me know. And I we'll keep it between us. Nobody has to know, and we'll take care of it. Wow. And he walked, I said, thanks, coach. And, and when he walked away, I was like, you know what? That was a blessing right there that I got to knew him as a person right then and there mm. because that's all he is, right? He's like any one of us. He's just committed to winning. And his style of getting to those victories were, yeah, were they were they tough? Yeah, they were. But guess what, Wayno? They were fair, they were honest, and they were consistent. And you knew what to expect. And by the way, when you did play well, he told you. Mm. Wow. You know, and he may sure. not have done it in a rah-rah kind of way. He did, you could be walking to practice, and he'd come up to you and be like, hey, even even a practice. You'd be like, hey, you were, you were really good at practice yesterday. Keep it up. You know, he would recognize that. And that made you feel good because you're like, all right, I can, I can handle his critique. Yep, sure. I can handle when I don't – I know when I don't play well. I can handle him yelling at me in front of everybody because guess what? When I play well, he's going to let me know that as well. Mm. Mm, great Just character. like my father. My father was the same way. He would tell you how great you did, and then if you screwed up, I, I used to have to sit in front of him after high school games, and he'd be like, what happened to that block in the third quarter? I'm like, Dad, I had like 17 tackles, an interception, and a sack. Like, you know, well, you missed the block in the third quarter. I'd be like, all right, I don't know. It, it's you know, the, I don't know. He'd be like, yeah, you do. I just, just great. great. It's, it's accountability. The, well, know. that's what it is, and, and I, I take from your dad as a member of the greatest generation. We're going to talk about that in a couple of seconds, but uh, the same thing. I'm, I'm playing high school. My, my grandfather was my idol. And my grandmother, who raised me, was was my idol. They were two of the best people ever known in my entire life. And I had a high school game where I hit two home runs, and uh, uh, I, I was four for four and uh, made a great play at, at, thir- at uh, first base. But then I, I made an error, and I came in a little cocky. And same thing yeah. like your dad, you know. Yep. And I came in. I said, hey, you know, Mickey Mantle's here. I go, you, you saw the, I say, you saw the game today, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, and I saw that error you made at third base. And, boy, did yep. that bring me right down. Oh, yeah. Walk, yep. walk softly. And, and you, you epitomize that, though, because you walk softly and, and you, you, you carry a big stick. And uh, that's, that's why we, we, we've connected. We connected with good friends of ours. The, and, and, by the way, we have to get the plug in. Uh, we met through the Lakin brothers, John and Kenny. Oh, yeah. So we have to get that. Yes. We have to get that plug in. And matter of fact, I talked to John uh, over the over the weekend. And as you know, they're they're just fox old guys. But going back to your your career at Jacksonville, now you said when you were single, uh, the married guys wanted to know you know what you guys <laughs> did. But you weren't single for very long. Because tell us a story about how you met your lovely wife. Well, I uh, I met Christina in the summer of 1999. Um, true story. So I had, I had a, um, 
a quasi-girlfriend for a couple of years in my first early days. Then that ended, thank the Lord. Um, and then I was <laughs> single for like two and a half years. So, I, you know, look, you're a single guy. It's the NFL. You're in Jacksonville. We're winning. We're popular. You know, you get a lot of attention. So let's just leave it at that. And one night, uh, it's the summer of 1999, uh, I'm laying in bed. I'm saying my prayers like I always did. And I, uh, I, I prayed to God. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm ready, man. I, I'm, I'm tired of this single life. Because as we all know, when you're single, yeah, sure, it's, it's fun a lot, but you're alone a lot. You're, lo- you're alone a lot, exactly. You're by yourself a lot. I mean, yeah, there's good times and fun times. But overall, you're lonely, or at least I was. So I was like, you know, I'm really ready. And God knew I was ready. He, I didn't even have to say my prayers that night. He already knew. Two weeks later, I'm at a July 4th party. Now, get this. I go out the night before with my, my landlords who live next door. We're like two two townhomes off the beach. Great, great, great spot. And uh, I don't feel so well. They always invited me over for breakfast. They, these people were great. You know, they'd make me cappuccino and make me poached eggs on toast. And <laughs> it was the best. I mean, I, it was the best. They were so good to me. But I wasn't feeling good anyway. They're like, hey, there's a party right down the street. We're going to ride our bikes to, you know, it's right on First Street. You should go. I'm like, man, I, I really don't. It's July 4th, I know, but I, I just don't feel good. I don't want to go. I'm not going, no, come on, you got to go. So anyway, I'm like, all right, fine, I'll go. So I walk into this party, same people. You know, it's beach town, right? Everyone knows everybody. You see the same people all over the place. And uh, I walk into the it's a three flat. I walk into the kitchen, you know, see some people. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. I right. go up to the second floor. I see some more people I recognize. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Get up to the third floor, and, and there's an outdoor deck. And there's a sliding glass door there. And leaning against the railing. But Tommy, I lost you a little bit there. I was just. I lost you a little bit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're, so you go through the glass Am door. I back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, yep. I, the sliding okay. glass door, and Christina's leaning against the railing on the deck. I was like, whoa, who <laughs> is this girl? Well, unfortunately for me, there was another girl that was there who, who would never leave me alone. And I had no relationship with her whatsoever. We just knew each other. She was a cheerleader as well. Um, and uh, anyway, so she kind of got in the way. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. But I, I was like, man, I, wait, I, want, I want to meet that girl again. Anyway, long story short, after camp, I go to camp, have a great camp. Uh, first night out of camp, we uh, we go to the, the normal place, and and there's Christina. So anyway, we ended up hitting it off, and uh, we, uh, we we started dating. I'll tell you a funny story. Two weeks in, she comes over wearing a Pro Bowl hat on, 1999 Pro Bowl. I was like immediately like, oh, no, she dated one of my teammates. That's big no-no. I'm not doing that. I really fell for her hard. I was like, man, this girl's unbelievable. I love her. And uh, anyway, so she reads my, my, you know, my, my stance. She's like, what's wrong with you? What's your problem? And I said, I said, what's with the hat? She's like, oh, I I went to the Pro Bowl. I was like, went to the Pro Bowl? Well, who took you? She goes, nobody took me. I was voted to go. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you know, I was a cheerleader, right? I was like, what? I'm like, for who? She's like, the Jags. Like, I, I, they voted me to the Pro Bowl, so I just went to the Pro Bowl. I gave her the biggest hug. I was like, oh, thank, <laughs> thank you, God, once again. But uh, it happened fast. You know, I got hurt in the second game of that year. I never played again. 
It's a funny story. I hurt my right foot. I severed a, a tendon underneath my ankle. Mm. So I'm in a cast for eight weeks, crutches. Her dad's a huge Jag fan. I'm one of his favorite players. He says to her, now you go over there, you take care of him. You, you know, he can't, you know, I can't do it. I can't drive. I can't do it. And uh, she did. And after I healed up, he's like, Tommy, you send in her home? I was like, no, no, <laughs> she's not. She's not coming home. And uh, we got uh, engaged four months later. Wow. And been married 20 years. Ah, God 20 bless. Years, God bless you Three guys. Three beautiful daughters, one sitting right next to me. She just heard that whole story as we're going to a, an appointment. But, uh, yeah, great. Hey, listen, man, it's, that's what life's all about, my book. You yeah. know, having that, that true love and that loyalty and, and just togetherness, man. There's nothing like it. And and you, I, I completely echo those sentiments as well. I, I want to talk about it, and uh, I believe he's your greatest inspiration. Is your is your dad, and yeah. um, I remember you telling we talked. You talked a little bit about how old school, tough he was. I, I believe you told me a story about running. You're running telephone poles or something like that. You, you remember that I'm, story? I'm running telephone. Y- poles. Yeah, you're going telephone pole to telephone pole. Uh, you know, you're at three. Oh three. no, 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 no! Oh, you mean the the sprints? The, the sprints. To work it out. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, mailboxes. There you go. <laughs> mailboxes, telephone poles. I mean, yeah, come on. And screwdrivers <laughs> on the grass. It was screwdrivers. <laughs> well, I had I had this long cloth, uh, you know, measuring tape. So I would, uh, yeah, I I had to. So, quick story. So in 1994, I I'm basically hanging up my NFL career. Uh, I tried out for the Saints in 93. I got cut, sat out in 93, went to a summer mini camp with the Redskins in 94. They didn't sign me. I was living in Chicago, tending bar. I had my degree from Boston College already, so, to, you know, to use it. So once once Washington didn't happen, I was like, all right, I, I got it. I'm done. I got to go get a job. I, I'm going to move to Boston and uh and and get a job and uh, the alumni association was incredible got me interviews right away had a great job lined up about to start uh it was a home health care gig sales gig uh company car nice salary expense it was great great first job out of you know at that age and uh out of nowhere i get i'm in, living in lynn massachusetts the city of sin you never lynn, come lynn, out the way you go you went in <laughs> <laughs> I love that place. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I got some friends that did live there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm in this one-bedroom apartment. I was, my girlfriend at the time, God rest her soul, she ended up dying of leukemia later on mm. in life. She's such a great uh, kid from Danvers. Great family, the Amico family, if they ever listen, they were fantastic. Just mm. great, great people. But um, I get a phone call. I just dropped her off at, at school. She was a teacher. And uh, it's my linebacker coach from, from BC, Steve Zabo. I'm like, How'd you find me? He's a dad. He's just, he seems able to this gruff, like former Vietnam vet, you know, just a gruff, great middle linebacker, great linebacker coach, mm. defense coordinator. He's like, I ah, don't worry about that. I got it from the alumni association, the number. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm about ready to start a job. What's going on? He's like, well, you heard coach Coffey got the job at Jacksonville. He wanted me to give you a call and, and just see if you have any interest in coming down and working out for us. And I immediately said, yes, my gut told me, yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll fi- I'll figure everything else out. But yes, and he says, "Well, are you in shape?" I said, "Yeah, I wasn't in shape. I was lifting, but I wasn't running." And uh, I should have taken it. Um, sorry, I'm driving. No, that's and, uh, anyway. So I I uh, I call my father, 
And uh, so Zabo's like, do you have a place to work out? I was like, yeah, I know. I got the perfect place. I call my dad. They're living in New Smyrna Beach. He's like, come on down. Let's go. So I go down there. I got two months to get in shape. And uh, I had to work on my 40. My 40 was everything. Now, granted, good thing for me, Bueno, I grew after college almost a full inch. Wow. And put on like 10, 15 pounds pretty naturally. So when they saw me last, I was like 6'1 and a half, 230. I showed up in Jacksonville, you know, 6'2 and a quarter, 240, 245. Was faster than I ever was. Was quicker than I ever was. Even coughing today, I'd be like, where the hell was that speed at Boston College? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the workouts consisted of my father, who was 50 years older than me. Uh, he sat in his, his, uh, his chair, and uh, he'd sit at the end line and uh, tie me. We'd do 10s, we'd do 20s, we'd do 40s and six, 60s. If we were on the grass field, they were laid out, marked out by screwdrivers. And uh, if we were outside the house on the street, it was laid out by mailboxes. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he would always say, one more, let's go, one more, one more. I feel like, what's this wee stuff? Well, the, <laughs> the old fighter would always say, you watch it, boy. I'll fill you with left hooks before you even know what happened to you. <laughs> and uh, he could have. Yeah, he, he didn't mess with him. <laughs> even at that age, that's for sure. Now, it was also, um, I don't think people realize, you had a, a phenomenal phenomenal script about his life. And yeah. I was very, very fortunate and honored to, to read it. I thought it was, I thought it was fabulous. And I, I, I really don't know to this day how it wasn't made into a, a major movie. But, but your dad, not only was it was a college football, but he played at Rutgers, correct? He did, yeah. So my father and, and mother, ironically, are both from East Orange, New Jersey, although 10 years apart. Um, he, uh, my dad always wanted to play college ball. Um, his parents needed him to stay at home, so he, he did. He was a really good fullback and linebacker uh, in high school. Wasn't heavily recruited, but recruited by, you know, the what they call the Ivy Leagues today and those types of schools and, and had offers, but his – his father, uh, who was a tire salesman, got laid off in the early 30s. Uh, you know, they lived through the Great Depression. My dad was uh, in high school working at a, uh, at a hotel and, um, uh, you know, busting tables, earning five bucks a week. Um, gave a couple to the family or three to the family, kept a couple for himself. He had an aunt that was very inspirational with him. And anyway, so he's playing high school ball. He's working at the hotel. And his parents asked him to stay home. You know, don't don't go to college. We need you at home. Okay, fine. I'll do that. So he uh, <laughs> so he was such a badass. So he uh, his aunt gets him a job at the at a bank um, and uh, uh, learning finance, learn, being a clerk and whatnot. He joins the uh, Orange Trojans, a semi-pro a football team uh, that was made up of, you know, 25, 30-year-olds, gruff, mean, nasty. They didn't have pads. They didn't have stands. They didn't have anything. And my dad was this, you know, hot shot, 18, 19-year-old playing with them. Played with them for two years under a different name. Uh, took up boxing. And uh, true story, used to fight out of the orange gym where two-ton Tony Galento used to two train. Two-ton Tony Galento. Yes, what and, a name. And that goes back. I know. 
was a my father became a sparring partner of Galento's for a year and a half right. after he fought Joe Lewis. True story. My my aunt told me this story as I was writing my book, and we are still trying to make all this into a movie. Um, he's he's working out. He's in the Golden Gloves. He's a good fighter. You know, he's he's like five eleven, one eighty five. You know, um, Galento just fights. Uh, Lewis, they're in the, the gym. Uh, Galento's wearing out his sparring partners. And, he, you know, the trainer yells out to the crowd, hey, who wants to earn, you know, some money sparring two ton? Well, they, they went 25 cents, no takers, 50 cents, no takers, a dollar, no takers. And from the back of the gym, Gene McManus raises his hand and says, I'll do it. And he gets in there and he took a <laughs> he took a pounding, but but he uh, ended up, they gave him like a buck around or something like that. It was crazy. So <laughs> so he's literally fighting two-ton Tony Galento um, for money, uh, you know, sparring. And he's uh, he's playing, or, you know, football for the Orange Trojans, and he's working at the bank. Well, he, he keeps coming in all battered and bruised from both of them. And the, the, his manager at the bank's like, Gene, you, you know, you're scaring the customers. You, you got to. Are you going to be a banker? Are you going to be a fighter? He's like, look, I've always wanted to play football, and I love boxing. You know. <laughs> anyway, so his high school coach um, is following his career, unbeknownst to my dad, in 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 the uh, in the semi pro game, and he calls up Rutgers. Rutgers recruiter um, comes down to a game, and after a game, offers him a full ride to, to Rutgers. So my dad goes to Rutgers in 1940. Um, you know, he's playing ball. They let him box. He fought the heavyweight champ who was a senior. Now, granted, my dad was a 20-year-old freshman, so he wasn't a young 17, 18-year-old. He beat up the he, – he knocked him out in the first round, um, which is another true story. <laughs> it's, it's just a great life. Anyway, and then he uh, – day after – you know, sophomore year, day after Pearl Harbor, he drops everything, walks into the Army Air Corps recruiting office, uh, wants to be a fighter pilot. They told him he's better suited for a, a bomber pilot. He learns to fly the B-24 Liberator. Liberator. He was so good at it that they wanted him to stay back and be an instructor. But he switched lottery numbers with another airman who had a wife and kid or a couple kids. He said, hey, switch with me and I because he wanted to go. He wanted to go fight in the war. Mm-hmm. So they pick up. he picks up his crew, year and a half of training. They, they fly out of uh, – um, they're with the 15th. They fly out of uh, – um, Serignola, Italy, roughly around there. And uh, on his 23rd mission, as they're headed to Munich, they've gone to Ploesti twice, Wayno. Wow. Twice. Wow. Which was an incredibly tough bombing mission. Yeah, exactly. And uh, came back. He was an incredible pilot. And uh, and uh, he um, they get shot down, headed to Munich. Mm. So he's he's the last one to go out. His, his parachute oscillates only one and a half times and uh and he hits a, gr- a, a, a grove of trees knocks him out he's woken up and um and he's captured prisoner of war prisoner of war, prisoner of war for right. 11 months for 11 months he even survived a, a death march in the blizzard of 1945 one of the worst in the history and uh of, of germany at the time 
and marched through it. How they ever, how any of those men ever made it? Well, wasn't there something me. too in in the script, Tom? Wasn't there something in in the in the the, the script that you were writing about the movie where uh, he was in um, he, he was in a boxcar, and the Germans had had uh, put it on. Uh, uh, they had put the top, which which they were famous for. They had put it Red Cross or something like that. Not Red Cross, but they had. Yeah. And, and they get and they get fired upon. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that by 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 their allies because they didn't know. Yes. Yes. They didn't know. So they yeah they they when they marched they marched to a town called Spremberg, uh, which was in in Germany. They loaded into forties and eights, which were box cars. Forty people or eight livestock. And they crammed 70, 80 men in there, hardly any ventilation. The rails would get bombed. They'd have to back it up, find a new rail. They eventually made it to how, it, how they made it. People were dying. Guys were dying in there. They were sick in there. It was it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And uh, they ended up in a, uh, a town called Mooseburg, uh, Stalaglu 7A. And uh, in, the, uh, in, in July... No, April of 45, General Patton's 3rd Armored Division knocked the walls down or the fences down, and and he was liberated. Came in and he was liberated. Right, right. Yep. Wow. Came, came back to Rutgers and, you know, resumed his football career and got his degree and, went, you know, just went, went about his business like so many of them did. Member of the greatest uh, generation, and they came back home. You, you didn't know what type of P- – there's nothing with PTSD back in those days. And they sucked it up, and they went to work. That's why they're called the, well, they, the, the yeah. greatest generation. Yeah, they did. They, but you know, look. One thing I've learned is, you know, they they back then they didn't communicate like we do today. Right. You know, they hold a lot of things in, especially men. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it was just a different era. Um, but th- he was haunted. There's no doubt. My father was haunted. Um, um, you know, my mother would tell stories of him. You know, having nightmares in the middle of the night. Mm. You know, he wouldn't talk about it in the morning, but he, you know, what he saw as a prisoner of war, the death he saw in that war. I remember him telling us that he's like, I never want you boys to have to go to war. It's all about killing and it's awful. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's got to haunt you in more ways than one. I, I know from the, the stories that I do in my syndicated column that nighttime is the worst for any veteran that has seen. Uh, combat, but listen, I, I know you're on a little bit of a time uh, thing here because you got a doctor's appointment with your daughter. Want to ask you one more quick question because yeah, you're no the problem. perfect, perfect, perfect person to go ahead and do this. Uh, I, I've been around some people in my life. I've never been around a, a, a more motivated, inspirational, positive person in my life than Thomas Edward McManus. <laughs> but I will tell you this, and that's no BS either because you know I love you. I What's love the you message too. that you have today? for young kids because 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 you're all about you're a strong man of faith and you're about character and integrity what do you have today for to say to our youth i say believe in the big man upstairs believe in yourself and never give up chase those dreams and look if if the first dream doesn't work that doesn't mean there aren't other dreams to chase because there are and if you always keep them alive they'll always be there because once you once you give up, it's over. If you never give up, anything can happen. And I'm living proof of that. Well, I uh, yes, you are, and uh, you've been a great friend since we uh, since we met. We're introduced. I wish you the best, all the best in 2021, my man. And um, 
when is the next? A quick plug here. When is the next uh, gig for the uh, dads? Bo- <laughs> the dad bods band. This Sunday, we we had a little drama, a lot of drama in bands. These artists, man, they're really filled with drama. It's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, I was a Hollywood publicist. I know a little bit about that. So, oh my gosh, it's incredible. <laughs> but anyway, we uh, we had to replace our our lead guitarist and have, and we have our first gig all together this Sunday, and we've got some new tunes. We're doing uh, "Everlong" by Foo Fighters. Nice. Um, we're doing some uh, some new Alice in Chains. No excuses. Wow. And then where our lineup ranges from Bowie to U2 to uh, Van Halen, a little Metallica, just a little bit of everything, man. A lot, all rock and roll stuff. So good, good fun. Johnny Cash. Oh, I love Cash. Uh, yeah, well, we're doing a, a version of Johnny Cash. Nice. Um, Ring of Fire. It's a little bit oh. you know, heavier and rockier. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we're doing Bob O'Reilly. And I'm the lead singer, as you know. So I, I love that. Yeah. It's an outlet for me. I tell my wife it's it's good for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Music is good it's for the true. soul, right? Music is good That's for the right, soul. Baby. So That's hey, right. my guest here on a walk down memory lane has been Tom McManus, former NFL player, star for the Jacksonville Jaguars, former Boston College star. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, my man. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Absolutely, Wayne. Oh, my pleasure and an honor and uh, to all the listeners out there, keep the faith, man. God bless America. Yeah, thank you very much, and all the best to you. God bless America, and have a great day. All right, my man. For Tom McManus, I'm Wayne Soros here in a walk down memory lane. Make it a good one. <laughs>